I want you to do something uh, with me. Let's get our Bibles and turn to Psalms 25. Psalms 25. Let me invite you when you have your Bibles to please stand. Uh, we're just going to read one scripture. We've been pressing into this message called provision. Um, and so we're just going to uh, turn to Psalms 25, verse 5. Psalms 25, verse 5. I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. Psalms 25, verse 5. Going old school. Remember when you said, Girl for Church, stand for the reading of God's Word. Amen. And now you have to say, Take your smartphone and your iPad and turn. Remember, we used to have, remember we used to have the overhead projectors? Remember that? And when you made so much noise, they would shake. You know what I mean? You had to put it on like that, and it was on the screen. And then when you actually had one of the projectors, you were a high tech. I mean, you were a high tech back then when you had the projector. Those things probably cost about a couple of thousand dollars back then. But uh, now they're not as much. So, um, amen. Okay, Psalms 25, verse 5. Lead me in your truth and teach me. Let's say that together. Lead me in your truth and teach me. Uh For you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait. All the day. Oh, praise God. Let's read that one more time. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I will wait all the day. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask and we surrender to your Holy Spirit. Lead and guide and direct us where you want us to go. We are a people this morning that are saying, lead us and teach us. Because you are the God of our salvation. And on you, we wait all day long. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. My first question to you this morning is, are you hungry this morning? Are you open to receive revelation from God that will transform and change your life? I've got to know the audience that I have before me this morning. And so if you are hungry this morning, and what I mean by that is that you know that there is an emptiness that only God can fill. Story was told one day about an atheist who didn't believe God, and he went out sailing with his son. And because of the beautiful day that he was experiencing with his son, he uttered these words out of his mouth, Thank you, God, for this day. Now, if you're an atheist, you don't believe in God. But I'm going to tell you that in every individual there is an emptiness, there is a vacuum that only God can fill. And as we approach one of the historical days in America, I'm so glad to be alive today. I'm so glad that I'm alive today. And it would have been great if I was alive when they uh, 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 issued or the inauguration of the first president of the United States, George Washington. I would have been been thrilled to be alive in that day because God would have equipped me with his grace to serve in that time and to serve that generation. But I wasn't born then. I was thought about 
I was known, but I wasn't born in that time. And so history in its purity really means history. So I can look back and see God's work back then to get a projection of what God wants to do now. And so as I think about what we are approaching, I believe that God is preparing the church to wait on Him. To wait on Him. Waiting is one of the most difficult things for us to do. And so last week as I was sharing the message, I want to let you know that when I talked about Joseph, he was not in my notes, but he was in the plan of God for you. And as I left and I went home and I got some rest and I was walking around my community, the Lord said, Rowan, you assumed everyone knows the story about Joseph. I said, ouch. He said, you need to review that again because it's in Joseph we see the provision of God that sets us up where we are today. Joseph, one of the sons of Jacob, one of the, one of the sons who was conceived by, by Jacob and Rachel, and, and so he, he wasn't the last child, but he was the favorite child. And so Joseph, his name means increase. And so in Genesis 37 up to 50, we read the story of Joseph. And I want to, if it's okay with you, to look back at history to get us prepared for where God wants to take us today. Is that okay if, if, if I do that? And kind of walk you through. And, and, and what I have outlined here, or what I'm going to outline here, is what I call the provision map. The provision map. Because you are here, and we have to get you here. So you are, you are here, but we've got to get you to here. And so if we journey together, and if I don't lose any of you, we're going to end up here, and you're going to see why God wants you to take a seat right there. Because he said, lead me and teach me, because you are the God of my salvation. On you, I wait all day. On you, I wait all day. So last week, we, we were investigating, and we went, and we noticed that, that the Bible says that in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And so we look at that and we then said that God gave us the command to replenish the earth, to be fruitful, to be productive. God also told us that he gave us rest. And God also told us, we read in the Bible, that out of the Garden of Eden, out of the garden, there was a river. And in that river there was gold. In that river there was gold. And so always this will happen. That when God presents his best, the enemy will come up and present what he thinks is better. So all the time, I'm not kidding you, all the time, when God presents his, 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 his good, the enemy will come up and will present something that is better. Now, from a spiritual realm, and for those of us who believe that there is an enemy... He's the devil. He's the prince of the powers of the air. He has a mission, and that is to bring an onslaught of demonic force to destroy, not just you as an individual, but to destroy a nation. That's his, that's his prerogative. That's his plan. Some people embrace it. Others deny it. I'm here to tell you that the devil is real, but our focus is not on him. 
our focus is on God and His creation. We must be aware of what He's doing, but we must be focused on God as Creator. What He likes to do is to bring distractions. What He likes to do is to bring detour because He doesn't want you to end up right here in the waiting room. He wants you then, when God established a thing, and He says, you have all of this. All of this is yours. The enemy comes in now and makes a statement. Because watch this now. Watch this for those who know the Genesis account. He says, let's make man in our likeness and in our image. And God breathed himself into man. God took his breath and breathed into mankind. And so man became a living soul. And so the enemy then goes over and says, I have to corrupt God's creation. And he says that you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so here it is now that God breathes into them and has already given their identity. And all of a sudden the enemy says, watch this. I know God has a destiny for them, but if I can stop their identity, I can pervert their destiny. And so as a nation, if we lose our identity, I can promise you we'll know where our destination is going to be. And so it's important then as the church, we become the voice then that keeps the nation, that keeps the home, that keeps the family on course by saying, in God we trust. So here it is now that you are here and you have to make a decision. Which God are you going to trust? And so this God, we see the work of His hands. But also we can see now when someone is given over to the enemy, we see the work of man's hand. And the work of man's hand is this. In Genesis 3, Genesis chapter 6, verse 1, it continues on about the fall and the corruption of humanity. And it's interesting if it says that there was violence in the earth. There was violence in the earth. There was riots. There was protests. There was people who were disenfranchised. There were people who were upset. There were people who were making all kinds of noise. Turn on any TV network and you're going to see violence everywhere. And it's because of rebellion. It's because of false religion. And it's because of what I call man's hard work trying to be God. They're still going right back to the garden and they're trying to be God. And the labor of man's hand is producing frustration. It is producing a toil that is not productive. We are working more now than ever before. And it doesn't matter how hard we work, there are still more days than there is money. It doesn't matter how hard we work, there are still needs that we have. And as we turn to man, they can't satisfy. They cannot satisfy. And so we have to then look at this and we have to now say, whose hands are we going to believe? Whose hand are we going to believe? It is interesting that Eve said that God said we can't even touch it, our hands. We can't even touch it, our hands. And God didn't say you couldn't touch it. And so here is man right from the beginning sticking out man's hands saying if man 
touches that, then we will see destruction. And God says, no, you need to be able to look at that and understand that all day I wait on God. It doesn't matter how great it looks, I'm going to wait on God. It doesn't matter how appealing it looks, I'm going to wait on God. I believe it was Moses that said, I'd rather, I'd rather suffer affliction with the people of God than dwell in sin or the pleasure of sin for a season. And please understand, sin is only for a season. It is only for a season. That if you embark and you lay in bed with sin, you will never win and it will corrupt you. And so again, I said earlier, this is for somebody, God's love is pure, it is perfect, and it is powerful. And as long as Adam and Eve stayed in that place in God's presence and saw the purity of God and they witnessed the, the perfection of God and they saw and they saw the what? They, they, they saw the power of God, they were walking in provision. They were walking in provision. There was nothing that they lacked. They had everything that they needed. Why? Because God was right there with them in his creation. In his creation. In his creation. Listen to me. When you live under the authority of God, he brings up the creativity in you that you will be able to provide the things you need. That when you live in the presence of God, he brings in the creativity that you need so you're able to live in the provision of God. The provision of God, I said earlier, is simply this. It is God's ability to sustain you through every single area of your life and through your journey. God's ability to sustain you. And so while they're in the garden, God has the ability, it was called his word. His word sustained them. And so you need to get a word from God, especially in these days that we're living in. You have to get a promise from God, God's word. And when you hold on to God's word, you will see the hand of God operate in your life. For some of you, I can look in some of you and I can see the handiwork of God in your life. And that excites me as a pastor. I can see that God is doing great things in your life. And it causes me to shout. It causes me to rejoice. It causes me to get excited. Why? Because I see the work of God in your life. And it is a good work. You're God's masterpiece. Michelangelo has nothing, come on, on you. You are the creation of God. You are the apple of God's eye. And it's important that you understand and recognize that. Why? Because there will come times when the enemy will try to distract you. He will cause you to turn and look. He will cause you, just like Lot's wife when they were running, says, don't look back. Don't look back when God is, is causing you to go forward. Don't look back in your past. Come on, I know you got a history, but don't look back in your past. Because when you look back in history, you see the grace and the mercy of God. I look over my life and I said, if it had not been for the Lord that was on my side, I would not be behind this pulpit right now declaring the word of God to you. It was God's mercy. It was God's grace. So I look back in history. I don't look back in my past. I can't do that because I'll get distracted and I'll see that I gotta work hard to get God's pure love. I gotta work hard to get God's perfection. I gotta work hard to see God's power. No, baby. You just gotta receive it and be in God's presence and know that I'm gonna wait all day on you, Lord. Distractions to abort 
your destiny. And this morning, you have to fight for your destiny by knowing your identity. Well, that's worth writing down. I may just write that down myself. You have to fight for your destiny by knowing your identity. And when you know your identity, you're going to be able to say, in God we trust. In God we trust. Now watch this. This pattern or this principle has been throughout the entire Old Testament and in the New Testament. This entire process of creation and corruption has been the inner struggle that you and I have been battling ever since you were conceived and you were born. Let me explain it to you. Let me explain this to you. So here was Joseph. Joseph was a young age. And he had a dream from God. And he received the dream from God. And says that everyone is going to be bowing down to you. And so here is Joseph now. He tells his brothers this dream. And they hated him for the dream. <laughs> he told his brothers, who you would think, would welcome this dream. And they hated him for the dream. And so all of a sudden now, he goes on this journey. He goes on this journey. And so the journey began. He gets a dream. The brothers hit him. This journey begins. And we see his father said to him now. And I'm reviewing now. Go see how your brothers are doing. And so he goes and he asks his brothers. Hey, and he's looking for his brothers. And here he is. The brothers see him, but Joseph doesn't see them. The brothers see him coming and they don't see him. And so all of a sudden they ask the question. Hey, here comes this dreamer. They couldn't call him by his real name. Here comes this dreamer. It is okay people recognize you by your dream. Come on. Because God knows your name. <laughs> I love being in a room of dreamers. I absolutely adore being in a room with people who just love to dream and believe God for the impossible. And so here he says, here comes this dreamer. And he says, let's, let's see what becomes of his dream. We see the work of man's hand. So we have the work of God's hands. I give Joseph a dream. He gives you a dream. He gives you a dream. You get a dream. And all of a sudden now you think, okay, it's going to be okay. And then you get an assignment from the father. Go talk to your brothers. And so here you are now pursuing your destiny. God gave you identity. The coat that he had on was the identity that he was the favorite one, right? He was the favorite one. And so here he is now going with this dream. He's going to his destination, right? And they don't even call him by his name. They said, here comes this dreamer. Here comes this dreamer. And he says, let's take him out and see what becomes of his dream. Remember the hand? If we touch it, he said, oh, we can't even touch it. And so here it is now that these individuals are trying to touch God's anointed. See, when you live in corruption, you try to pervert what God is doing. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. And so here they say, we have the ability to stop what God is doing. How bold do you have to be? How bold do you have to be to think that we can stop the plan of God for your life? Come on, America. Huh? Do you think we can stop God's plan for this nation? 
No, that's why God says intercede, intercede, pray, get on your knees and pray for this nation because God, in His goodness, you want God to shower down the blessing that He has for this nation. So we have to intercede. We have to be informed. We have to participate. We've got to understand that we are part of God's plan and what God is doing. We are. And so here they said, let's see what becomes of His dream. Let's see. And here is Joseph's journey. And we can see man's hand. So first we see the pit. The pit. But when you see the work of God, you know that the pit stands for, uh, listen, profit in training. (laughs) Praise in training. Come on, somebody. A preacher in training. If you feel like you're in the pit, come on, somebody. And there's no water and you're thirsty. God is saying, wait all day. Because they put him in the pit. But watch God's provision. He says, the Ishmaelites, I'm sending you on an assignment. So they say, hey guys, let's go. Why are we leaving? I don't know. We got to go. And don't take this route. Take that route. Because there was a praiser in training giving God praise. In the midst of the pit. Man's hand put him in the pit, but God's hand says, Ishmael, you need to go now. Come on, somebody. So God gives Joseph a dream, he gives you a dream, and all of a sudden chaos breaks out, and you find yourself in the pit. And now you're wondering, God, did I really hear from you? Come on, when you're in the pit, don't have a pity party. You've got to praise God, you've got to worship God, you've got to magnify God, you've got to glorify God, because guess what? God has orchestrated my life. I know I heard from God, I know he gave me a dream. I know he gave me a dream. Gather in place. First you had Pastor Tim and he came and God was moving in him. And then God said, okay, your assignment's over now. And then God blessed you with Pastor Eli, Pastor Lisa. Did a phenomenal job. Did a great thing. And you're there. But God said, I still got the promise. I still got a dream for this place. God I still got a purpose for your life. I don't care how much time you've messed up. God has a purpose for your life. And you might find yourself in the pit. But you cannot live in a pity party. You've got to understand that God gave you the dream. And God's dream is always good. Always good. So the work of man's hand. The pit. The bottom. I'm at the bottom. I can't go any lower than this. My finances are in the pit. My marriage is in the pit. My relationships are in the pit. I'm all alone in this dry place. And to think if the people would have recognized what God was going to use me for, they wouldn't have put me in the pit. But understand, it's that devil that's trying to mess you up. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. This battle is not against Donald Trump. This battle is not against Hillary Clinton. This battle is against the powers of darkness that is trying to pervert what God is doing and trying to get us in the pit. But the church is saying, no, I'm a prophet in training. I'm carrying something that a nation needs. You've got to understand, I'm not just talking about a physical birth. You've got to know you're carrying something that a nation needs. The nation needs. And so first, the pit. But God's provision was the Ishmaelite. They came and they got him and they sold him into slavery. And here was Joseph, hand tied now. And leaving his nation, leaving where he was from. And his hands are tied now. And he's going to another nation. He's going to another nation. His hands are tied, but he's going to another nation. And if Joseph doesn't know purpose, he will abort what God has for him. Here's a nation 
He's leaving one nation going to another nation, but he's not leaving the God of the nations. And he gets there now. And all of a sudden, Potiphar comes and says, I don't want him, I don't want him, I don't want him, I don't want him. I want him. I want him to come in my house. And so we see the hand of man. Potiphar, I want him. But in reality, we saw the hand of God. Because the Bible says that God was with Joseph. And Potiphar was blessed because of Joseph. Not because of Potiphar. That his house prospered because he brought him in the house. When you bring the prince of God in your house, things will change. The situation will change. I believe it was David who was trying to get the prince of God back to Jerusalem. And he wasn't following the prescribed way and corruption broke out and somebody died. And David says, stop it. Aha, we can't have this. And the Bible said that the ark went into the house. And because the presence was in the house, the house prospered for 90 days. I'm here to tell you, if you get God into your house, if you get God into your marriage, you get God into your parenting, you get God into your business, you get God into everything you're doing. That's for someone right now. Get God involved in your business and you will prosper. I don't care what man's trying to do. Promotion comes from God. It doesn't come from man. Promotion comes from God. Someone say, promotion comes from God. You got to tell your company when you go in tomorrow, when you work, and say, listen, the only reason why you're prospering, because I'm here. You fool with me then. Come on. The only reason why it's prospering because it's because I'm here. Huh? It's because I'm here. And so we see Potiphar, the hand of man. We see God hand on Joseph and they prosper. Remember I told you? Creation, corruption. All of a sudden now, Joseph was built like me. Amen. Lead me and teach me, Lord. He was a fine looking young man. Amen. <laughs> fine looking young man. And Potiphar's wife had her eyes on him. Mm-hmm. See, you're laboring doing God's work and you wonder why all this chaos is taking place. Come on, somebody. It's because God's hands on you. Then we don't like that. Uh huh. This increase, and all of a sudden he looks, and, and so here it is now. Here it is now. She's, she's looking at him while he's working. He's worshiping, and she's looking. And, and all of a sudden now, she says, come, come alive with me. I want to get you off of the path that God has for you. I'm going to hurry. And Joseph now says this, and I believe it was the grace of God on him. He says, how can I do this wickedness? And sin against, not you, not Potiphar, but against God. And so here's what happens. We believe that when we sin, we sin against each other. And we don't recognize we're sinning against God. And that's why the world allows so much things that we call good, evil, and evil good. is because we think we're sinning against each other. We call that our constitutional right. But God's covenant trumps constitution. And so when you understand that now, a nation that understands the covenant can make the constitution work better. And that's all we have to recognize. No, 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 no. No, we can't sin against God. We can't do that. And so Joseph now makes the statement. And so here it is now that, that Joseph, because of integrity, gets him locked up. God, you got to think backwards. What in the world are you doing? My integrity got me locked up? 
And so here it is now that we see the hand of man, Potiphar's wife, but we see the hand of God. He's brought into prison. God says, that, that assignment's over. I've got to bring you here now. You, you can't live here like this because guess what? You'll see the prosperity and then you'll think it was all about you. And you won't think you need to depend on me now. So God says, I've got to move you. I've got to move you. <laughs> God is so good that here the enemy thought, I got him now. I, I couldn't get him in the pit. God, you sent someone to rescue him. Now I got him in the house. God's like, I'm going to still rescue him. He brings it now, and in the hand of God, he goes into prison. And in prison now, God was still with Joseph, and Joseph found favor that he was now the leader. He was now the leader. And that's important. He was the leader while he was in prison. He was the favored one while he's in prison. Let me tell you something. God's favor started not because he had the coat on, but because he had something inside of him. And at this point, he'd been changing garments, but he never changed his God. Come on, somebody. You might be in rags today, but baby, you're going to experience riches tomorrow. Don't look at what you're wearing now as your identity. You've got to know your identity. Your DNA comes from the creation of God who has a purpose for your life. So, so guess what, Potiphar? You can hold the evidence of my garment. And brothers, you can hold the evidence of my garment, but you can't take my identity away because my destiny is connected to my identity. Come on. And you can put me in different places, but you can't change who I am. You can't change that. Why? Because it's in God that I trust. Is this making sense to anybody this morning? Huh? And so here it is now that they're in prison. He's in prison. And he still, he does his thing in prison. You've got to understand the gift of God that he's given to you is irrevocable. God doesn't take it away. So no matter where you are, work the gift. Someone say work the gift. Uh-huh. Work the gift. Wherever you are, work the gift. Work the gift of God that God has given to you. And as you're working the gift, God is working things out on your behalf. And so here it is now that he's in prison, but he's working the gift. And these two individuals who are locked up, they came and said, hey, I had a dream. And Joseph goes, whoop, you had a what? Now you're speaking my language. <laughs> You gotta have the language of heaven and listen when people are talking. Come on, somebody. Because when they start talking your word, they start talking the DNA of God, you gotta be like, oops, what was that? You had a dream? Yeah, I had a dream. Joseph goes, tell me the dream. And we know the story. He tells the dream. And so all of a sudden now, one was restored, the other one died. And Joseph says, remember me when you get before Pharaoh. And guess what happens? Joseph was at a young age and was told he was supposed to have this dream. And it's not happening right now. And for many of us, God has told us about a dream he has for us, and it hasn't come to pass yet. And we are at a place where he says, you know what, God, forget it. I'm not going to wait anymore. I'm going to take up that fruit, and I'm going to touch it with man's hand, and I'm going to eat it. I'm going to eat it and cause corruption. And so here it is now that he's waiting. He's forgotten by man, but he's remembered by God. And it was at this point now that God speaks to Pharaoh and gives him a dream. And the dream, are you ready for this? He said, I had a dream that out of the river, oh gosh, (laughs) out of the river came these animals. Out of the river, Genesis creation, out of the river came these animals and had a dream. And nobody's able to interpret the dream. No one's able to understand the dream. And that's what we're facing right now. People are asking all these questions. They're saying, who can help us with this racial divide? Who can help us with all the violence? Who can help us with everything that's going on? And they're coming up short because it's man's hands trying to do something and it can't work. It will not produce. It won't produce. No matter how clever, no, no matter how statistic, uh, uh, statistic or, or, or no, no matter, excuse me, strategic it is, it will not work. It will not work. 
And so here it is now that God says, Joseph, it's your time. He said, I remember, I remember when I was in prison and there was someone in prison who interpreted my dream. Pharaoh, surely, surely, he can interpret this dream. And here's what's interesting. Watch this now. Watch this now. That's why you have to live with the garment of praise on. I'm going to teach you something now about praise. Praise is absolutely powerful that the psalmist ends his 150th psalm by saying that everything that has breath do what? And in the midst of this journey that you're on for provision, I am convinced that a majority of you and I receiving the provision of God is based on our attitude. And praise will change your attitude. Praise will change your attitude. So he starts with the coat of many colors. Let me go even further back. Can I go further back? Adam starts with glory. Then he puts on the garment of fig leaves. And then Joseph starts with the garment of his father. And ends up now in prison clothing. And all of a sudden now, they summons him from prison. And it said this, if we read the Bible, that he came and said, take off that garment. And he puts on a garment on Joseph to identify him to the rest of the people. That this individual has been favored by God. It wasn't the natural garment. It was the glory of God that was inside of Joseph. And the Bible said, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But thanks be to God, the Bible says that it's His glory. It's His glory. I can do all things. It's His glory that we now need to project. It's the glory of God. Are you with me? And so when you understand the hand of God, you will understand God's glory. The weight. The word kabat. The weight. So in other words, when Joseph finished interpreting to Pharaoh, he had weight. He put his weight on Joseph. He, he put the weight on Joseph. He says, okay, you now, what you just said was weighty. What you just said now makes sense. You now are going to lead the nation. You're going to lead the nation. And that's why in November when we go through our leadership gathering, it's literally preparing you to lead in 2017. I have no confidence whatsoever in this government. None whatsoever. My confidence is in God. And if I seek God, then I'll be a great citizen of this great nation. Let's not mess it up. Because God wants us to lead this nation. To lead this nation. Because truly, we have a dream. (laughs) We have a dream. And so here it is now that Joseph finally gets there. He finally gets there. Okay, so after all that review now, After all that review, Joseph now is in this place. He's in this place of prominence, of promotion. And his dream comes to pass because his brothers come down and they all bow down before him. And Joseph's dream comes to pass. But that was Joseph. That was Joseph. Let's look at you and I. Let's look at you and I. And how do we wait on God? In Exodus 31 verse 18... The children of Israel have come out of bondage now. They forgot about Joseph, and corruption came in again. 
And in Exodus 31, verse 18, the Bible said that, watch, God called Moses up into the mountain, and he's given Moses a revelation from God. He's given Moses a revelation from God. He's getting his revelation, excuse me, from God. And the Bible says that he's given, he says, here's how you work. He said, do everything. I'm bringing you back to creation. And God now, the hand of God now is now moved to the heart of God. So he moves from the hand of God now to the heart of God, giving you revelation. And provision consists of knowing the hand of God, but it's more important knowing the heart of God. Because based on what your heart is saying, your hand will do. And the reason why they went and touched it was because their heart looked and it said, ooh, it can make me wise. It was a fruit that was delicious. Oh, I can get all this stuff. It first begins in your heart and then your hand operates on that. And so you have to move now, you and I, to a place where we understand the heart of God and what God is doing while we are waiting. While we are waiting and we don't see the hand of God anymore, we can't freak out and think God is not working anymore. What he wants to show us now is his heart. Because God wants you to know his heart. Because if you know his heart, you'll get his hand. Can I teach this thing in just a few more minutes? Watch this now. So Moses now, and the Bible says we see the finger of God right into Moses. The revelation that God had for the nation. They just came out of bondage. They just came out of a place of all these religious things. They came out of a place where there was idols and there was all these things. And God says, on this journey, I can't have you on this journey having a corrupt mind. I've got to correct your mindset. Do you know they could have made it to the promised land much quicker? But the Bible says, little by little, lest you dominate the land and the animals come and you're not prepared for war. And so God is going to say, there is purpose in the waiting. Someone say there's purpose in the waiting. Well, I'm going to reveal to you five things that you're going to receive when you're waiting on God. It's going to be awesome. So in Exodus 31 verse 18, we see the finger of God. And he's there. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden now, at the end of it, Exodus 32, here's what the Bible says in Exodus 32. Here's what it says. And the people, and the people said, where is Moses? It's been a long time. Where is Moses? He is delayed in his coming for us. We're waiting by this mountain and we've heard nothing for these few days. Aaron, take the gold that we have from Egypt. And build us a golden calf. That we can tell the people it was these gods that led us out of Egypt. Mm. The corruption, when it infiltrates a community, it always brings rebellion. It always does. And it happened because the absence of a leader. That's where the enemy tries to take you out. Because in the absence of a leader, people don't know what to do. And so therefore, he's taking the fathers out of the home. The absence of a leader. I heard recently that this individual who finally confessed to a bunch of murders that he did him. And he asked him why. 
And, no, no, this is what it was. It was someone who was driving uh, drunk, I believe, and, and caused a horrific thing. And they asked him what happened. He said, well, my father was not in my life. My father exited my life, so my behavior is the result of my father being absent from my life. And so the, enemy, the enemy's goal is to take authority out of your life. So that way, you can, you can look to the work of man's hands to lead you. Watch this now. I read that gathering place and I said, Moses was getting a revelation for you. And here it is now that the absence of a leader, you take the resources that God has given to you and with your hands you fashion this idol. And you put your trust in this idol. So you took this off the coffee table and you hit it. He says, we don't need this anymore because what God told me was going to happen hasn't come to pass. So I'm in the waiting room, but I can't wait anymore. I'm in the waiting room and I can't wait anymore. I need somebody to worship. I need someone to fill this empty void in my life. So I'll go get drugs and I'll shoot up and I'll go and be promiscuous and I'll do everything else to say, these are the gods that I've got to put my trust in because I have, I have no hope anymore. God, you've been silent. God, you haven't spoken. God, where are you? I'm in the waiting room. And I think I'll just do it on my own then. You over there. You, you, you over there, come, come. You over there, come, come, come. It's all about humanistic, come, come. You, 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 you over there, you over there, come, come. And let's together, let's form a religion. Huh? Let's form a religion. Or as a matter of fact, let's get all religion out. Huh? Let, 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 we don't have to trust in these gods because this God that created these wars and these fights and, and all the destruction that's taking place, surely that can't be God. Put your Bible away. Be silent. I've waited on God and He hasn't answered. And there are moments in our lives when we were to wait on God and we didn't. We didn't wait on God and we made a move and we did it ourselves. And so we went places ourselves. I couldn't wait on God. God, I thought you told us that we're going to be in ministry, but it looks like I'm going to be flipping burgers at Burger King. Huh? What happened to the promise, God? What happened to the promise? And we made mistakes when we took the Bible and we put it under the chair and we just sat down and we're waiting. We're coming to church, but we're waiting. Huh? We're getting a seat, but, but, but we're waiting. Because truly, God, you haven't, you haven't answered us now. And so we've made idols uh, out of preachers and made idols out of different things. And, 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 and I mean, there's so many things that I thought if you brought coffee into church, you weren't, you weren't a Christian. <laughs> Surely you can't be a Christian bringing coffee into church. 
And we made the place more sacred than the person. And because of that, now we have a building, so we think we can live any way we want, as long as we go in the building. Huh? And so we've gotten to bed with the politicians, because the only way they could crucify Jesus was getting to bed with the politicians. So the religion's folks have gotten to bed with the politicians. And so when you now operate prophetically, it goes, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Why can't you be like everybody else? Huh? Because they were tired of waiting. They were tired of waiting. Have you ever been there, gathered in a place where you've waited on God? He just hasn't come through yet. But let me encourage you. Let me encourage you. Let me encourage you that he is in the waiting. Let me lead you home with Psalm 62, verse 8. Psalm 62, verse 8. I'm in my bed, and I woke up on Monday morning, and God turned, he says, turn to this Psalms. Turn to this Psalm. And he said in Psalm 62, verse 8. Psalm 62, verse 8. And here's what he told me as I was laying in bed. Psalm 62, verse, if we can get on the screen, please do that. He says here, Lead me and teach me your truth. For you're the God of my salvation. All day I wait for you. And in waiting, he says this in Psalm 62, verse 8. Trust in him at all times. Joseph, at every journey, trust me. You people, pour out your heart before him. Not your hand. Not your hand. Not your hand. Because you can be praising God with your lips, but your heart is so far from him. And God doesn't want applause like he needs your affirmation. He's God all by himself. He is saying, my people... Pour out your heart. I know it's challenging right now. And I know it feels like I've abandoned you. But I want you one more time in the waiting room to pour out your heart to me. And God is looking for a people whose heart is saying, God, though you won't answer right now, I'm still going to wait on you and be of good cheer. Oh, I just sense the presence of God just erupted this room right now. He said, pour out your heart before me. Pour out your heart before him. Let's get, let's get the Bible back. And let's, let's get it back to where it needs to be. What I need is a revelation from God. Children, come, 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 come. Everybody come, get around, gather around. Everybody, everybody gather around. Everybody gather around. What we need is a revelation from God. If it takes 40 days and 40 nights, I'm going to wait on God. I have nowhere else to go. That road didn't lead to success. That road didn't lead to success. This road didn't lead to success. Here I am right now. Here I am. I'm waiting on God. I'm waiting on God. And what we need is a revelation from God. 
with every head bowed, every eyes closed. You're in the waiting room and you need a revelation from God. And here is the revelation. Here are the five things that God wants to reveal to you and then we're going to shout and we're going to get out. The five revelations that you need from God while you are in the waiting room. While you are in the waiting room. The first thing you need to know is this. Is God is your refuge. Psalm 62 verse 7, the verse before it says, In God my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. In this particular Psalms, the enemy was speaking. If you look at the Psalms from verse 1 all the way to this particular verse, the enemies were taunting David. The enemies were speaking loud, but God says, David, be silent. Don't speak yet. Get a revelation from me. And they're speaking. David says, they're speaking lies. They want to try to corrupt me. But he's saying here, I came to this conclusion when I was in the waiting room that God, you are my refuge. You are my shelter. You are my fortress. So in the sounds and the voice are loud on the outside in the waiting room, I'm just going to wait in silence. I'm going to wait on God. He is my refuge. He's my refuge. He's my shelter. People are speaking things about you. You're speaking things about yourself. Forget about people speaking you out of your dream. You're speaking yourself out of your dream. And he's saying here, God, you are my refuge. Here was David. He was anointed in front of his brothers. But yet Saul tried to kill him. And he's saying, I'm going to wait. God, you're my refuge. God, I had all these plans. I have all these things I wanted to do. God, I was going to be a basketball player. I was going to get a scholarship. I knew I was always going to come to America. But I didn't think it was going to come through the church. I thought it was going to come through a scholarship. And I was working hard. I was a really, really good basketball player. I was actually really a great basketball player. I was the captain on my team. And I knew I was going to come to America. Because I know that God had called me to America. And I thought I was going to come through a scholarship, the hand of man. But God says, no, it's going to come through the work of my heart. And so God, you're my refuge. You're my refuge. The second thing, the second revelation is this. Is this, we must rejoice while we're in the waiting room. Psalms 33 verse 20 and 21 says, Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in Him because we have trusted in His holy name. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us just as we hope in you. Our soul waits for the Lord because we trust in His holy name. You need to take 10 seconds out and give God a rejoicing praise right now. This is a great time for you in the midst of your waiting. Come on, church, you need to go ahead and rejoice. God has given you a revelation. You need to go ahead and rejoice. Rejoice, I can, I say. Rejoice. Hallelujah. God, while I'm waiting, I'm going to be rejoicing. When people look at you and say, why are you committing so much time to God? Because I'm waiting on the promises of God. I'm rejoicing night and day. I'm rejoicing. I'm rejoicing. I'm rejoicing while I'm waiting. The joy of the Lord is my strength, saith God. The joy of the Lord is my strength, saith God. And someone here needs to know that. The joy of the Lord is your strength. 
It is your strength. You need to rejoice. Psalm 62 verse 1 and 2 says, He's my rock. Truly my soul silently waits for God, for from Him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. There it is. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Verse 5, my soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from Him. Yeah, baby, I know you love me, may God, and we're celebrating our anniversary, but my expectation can't come from you. There are certain needs that you can't fulfill. As beautiful as you are, and as thankful I am to God for you, there are some needs that I've got to get filled only in the waiting room. Come on, somebody. Do you understand what I'm saying? That God is my expectation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. Look at the difference. Look at the journey. In verse 2, he says, I will not be greatly moved. In verse 6, he says, I shall not be moved. He speaks of progress right there. That when you understand that God is your rock. And so in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 4, it says, And they all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. That rock was Christ. When you're in the waiting and you're thirsty... Because you're in the pit and there's no water. You go to Potiphar's house and you're accused. You go down to prison, you're forgotten. And you go before Pharaoh. Let me tell you something. That the rock that you need to drink from is the rock that comes. And the rock is Christ. Jesus. Paul's giving the history of the nation of Israel. And he says that rock that they were following, the rock they drank from. Let me tell you, it wasn't a natural rock. It was Christ. It was Christ. Next week's message is entitled, Show Me the Money. Show me the money. And I'm going to share with you how Christ, when he enters into a room, how he changes everything. If you believe that God has called you into ministry, you don't want to miss next Sunday. Because I believe that it's time for you to walk in the fullness of what God has called you to do. It is time now for you to know that God has a purpose for your life and to walk in it. To walk in it. Allow me please just to share this with you as I share two more and then we're done. So I told you that the work of man's hand, that we went down for a ministry assignment. And we came back. And I announced to you last Sunday about the leadership gathering. And I get a message, an instant message from Facebook the next day. I believe it was the fifth. Yeah, I get a message. Uh, And this person says, watch God. So the work of man's hand, but watch the work of God's hand. This person writing to says, Hey, Pastor Rowan, I want to thank you for your leadership. And as she went out and started to share some things, I'm like, I did that? I never knew I had that impact on you. And she outlined, watch God now. She outlined the leadership gathering principles that God wanted me to share with you after I announced it. So what took place years ago, God says, now is the time to reveal it. I rejoice by myself about that because God did all the work. He just said, schedule me. (laughs) See, if we just schedule God, he'll show you what he's been working on. Oh, that's for somebody right there. Just schedule God and you'll say, here's what I've been working on all this time. All this time. All this time, Lord, I've been working. While you've been worrying, I've been working. Huh? All this time when you were worrying, 
I have been working. Because I don't want you to only see my hand. I want you to see my heart. I want you to see my heart. So here's your homework. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I go to a, in a waiting room, especially a doctor's office, they never see the time that you're scheduled for. I think it's just to fill the book. Because you know you're just never going to see the doctor on time. Let alone emergency room. You know what I mean? Like it's just, you're just never going there. And so what I do when I go into a waiting room, whether it's the dentist in office or, you know, my physician or whatever, when I go into the waiting room, I always tend to see what magazines are around that I can read. <laughs> so I find magazines that I can read, and some of them are sports related, some of the newspaper, but I sit down and I start to, to read. And God is saying, I know I have a schedule, the time for you, but don't think I'm delayed. <laughs> so while you're waiting for me in the waiting room, you've got to start reading. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. Because what you're reading... Oh, you ready for this? This is so cool. Amen, somebody. Watch this now. Then the Lord answered and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak. So there was a season in this room where you were silent. And now we say, it's time to speak. And he says this now, it will not lie. So Adam and Eve, my vision won't lie. I said, you have all of this. It will not lie. And if we believe the lie, we empower the liar. And so while we're in the waiting room, God wants to recognize and God wants us to understand that we want to listen to his voice and his voice alone. We need to stop listening to the lies of the enemy. And I'm telling you, he is constantly trying to lie, trying to bombard your mind with his lies and with his schemes and with his trap. And you got to tell the devil, you are a liar. Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come, it will not tarry. So you ready for this? But watch this now. Here's how this works. So while this ministry was being birthed by God, you had a pastor who was here and he wrote the vision. And God said, okay, your assignment's over. And he left the vision in the waiting room. And he goes to the next assignment, rejoicing, giving God praise. So another person came and they're in the waiting room. They're like, ooh, look at this vision. Oh, yeah. Let me read it so I can run with it. And so they now, Pastor Eli, Pastor Lisa, they wrote their vision and they're running with it and they left it in the waiting room because God says, now go to your assignment. And here comes Rowan and Megan. Come on, somebody. That over in the waiting room, I'm like, God, I think I'm going to be flipping burgers the rest of my life. But I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I made some mistakes, Lord. But I'm okay with that. As long as I got your heart, I'm good. I know I put my hands on some things. God's like, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm orchestrating your life. And so while you know, he says, get to the waiting room. And while you're in the waiting room, don't argue how long it's taken for me to come to your attention. Sit down and read. Come on, somebody. <laughs> 
sit down and read. And so people need to read your life because you are a living epistle. And when they can read your life, they get vision of where they're going. If they get vision, they got provision. Come on, somebody. And so when you understand that I'm in the waiting room and God is working and God gives a revelation now, you walk out with vision and people follow you. They see there's provision because they're seeing God's work in your life. Because I'm telling you, if it's a vision from God, it will take God to bring it to pass. If it's a vision from man, man's the only one that can do it. Man's the one that can do it. So let me end with this. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. This is it. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, help me to launch this word now. This is it. We need to renew our strength. In the waiting room. And as we're trusting God, He is renewing our strength. Isaiah 41, verse 31 says this But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Joseph had a dream. As he was he was being dragged, as he was being sold, as he was being accused. And as he was forgotten, his strength was failing. But in the waiting room, in the waiting room, Joseph renewed his strength. So if you're here this morning, and you've been waiting on the Lord, He wants to renew your strength this morning. In the waiting, He's renewing. He's renewing. He's renewing. He's renewing. If you're here this morning, with the five minutes we have left. Thank you, Jesus. But those who wait on the Lord, if you're waiting on the Lord, I want you to start worshiping. Thank you to our guests who are here. But let me explain to you what's happening right now. There are people that may even be sitting beside you. And for those who are watching this, whether on Facebook or they're watching it on on video or audio, you've been waiting on God. You may be worrying. 
Your, your, your worry has, has taken you over. But I want you to start to worship. Provision has been made. As God did it for Joseph, and every place he went, God provided provision. Worship. Worship. In God we trust. In God we trust. In God we trust. Come on. He hasn't forgotten you. Worship. 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 You don't have to worry, worship. I remember gathering place. I think I was about a hundred dollars short from paying my rent. And fear came into the waiting room. I didn't have the money to pay. Listen to me. This is for somebody. And fear came in. What are they going to think about me? Here I am, a, a child of God and... I don't even have enough provision to to meet this need. And I'm waiting, God. The the end of the month is coming. And the people are expecting their payment. What am I going to do? And the enemy came into the waiting room and says, God is not going to meet the need. So you you now need to trust in your hand, Rowan. You need to now go down to the to the to the creditors and and you need to you need to get a loan and pay this. And I I had a fear, I left the waiting room and I had no strength left in me. I was embarrassed. I was I was embarrassed. I'm like, God, look what I'm doing to your name and I and I left the waiting room and I went and I and I used my name, my credit. And I got the money, the work of man's hands. And I'm not saying if you have to get, please listen to me, listen to the spirit of what I'm saying. And I came and I said, here you go. And it's been approximately about five years. A decision I made in the waiting room has cost me the work of man's hands five years. Where if I would have stayed five more minutes the revelation was coming. I bind that spirit of fear now in the name of Jesus. I come against every lie of the enemy that ever has been spoken over your life. And in the name of Jesus, I declare that God is and will continue to be your provider. And you will never have to trust 
in the lie of the enemy, but you will trust in the truth of God's word. And you will worship and we will worship and God will be our provider in the name of Jesus. Now go ahead and worship and let him renew your strength and mount up now with wings of eagles. Because God is your provider. God is keeping you. God will always lead you. Stay in the waiting room. In the waiting room. In the waiting room. If you desire prayer, if you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, He has provided the greatest gift, the greatest need is that salvation. He has provided that for you. You've been looking everywhere and you came into this place today and says, Rowan, I need to give my heart to Jesus Christ because that's what I need. I need His heart. I've watched his hands and I've blamed him for things. And I repent now and I, I want you. And for those who are watching, and for those, listen, listen, it's about God's heart. It, it, it's God's heart. I want you to come. But if you're here you need prayer, I, I want to lay my hands on you. I, I want to pray that you now, as you pour your heart out to God, and if you have to go, God bless you, and God calls His face to shine upon you. But if you're here and He says, Pastor Rowe, I want to spend some time in the waiting room, and I want to pour my heart out to God while I wait on Him, I want to invite you to come. I want to invite you to come. Come to the waiting room. Come to the place where God has scheduled you to have a meeting with Him. Come, 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 come. Come to the waiting room and let me pray with you that God will strengthen you for your assignment. That God will direct you. God will lead you and you will only accept his best. Is there any here this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Yes. Yes. Pour your heart out to him. Pour your heart out to him. Pour your heart out to him. Pour your heart out to God. You're in the waiting room. Pour your heart out to him. God, I'm going to stay here. Your delay is not your denial. Your delay is not you forgetting me, God. Pour your heart out to him. Pour your heart out to him. God has a new assignment for somebody and you need to come and say, God, my assignment, I need you to strengthen me for my assignment. If God has given you assignment, you need to come. Come, come, come. If you have a new assignment from God, you need to come. Let us pray with you that God will continue to bless you.